You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Republicans are split over the speakership, Hundreds were killed in a hospital attack in Gaza, and a shooting at the Philadelphia airport leaves one officer dead. Here's your national news recap for the week of October 15th. The plan to empower interim Speaker Patrick McHenry to take on the Speaker's role until January is hitting a wall. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan failed to get the 217 votes needed three times this week as several members of his party voted against him. Jordan tried to rally support from the 22 Republicans who didn't support his bid for House Speaker. He met with the holdouts and pushed for the third vote on the floor Friday. Republicans were meeting behind closed doors Thursday trying to find a path forward to elect a new leader but so far have come up short. The House has been without a speaker for more than two weeks and is unable to move any legislation until a speaker is elected. Oklahoma Congressman Kevin Hearn has decided to throw his hat back into the ring. Hearn says House Republicans met Friday and determined that Jordan will no longer be their nominee. Lawmakers will return to Capitol Hill Monday to try and find a path forward as Congress is facing a series of pressing issues. A number of Republican lawmakers say they received death threats after voting against Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House. Both Representatives Drew Ferguson of Georgia and Marionette Miller-Meeks of Iowa said they received threats after they pulled their support for Jordan on the second speaker vote Wednesday. Miller-Meeks said her office received a barrage of threatening calls and credible death threats. Representatives Don Bacon of Omaha and Nick LaLota of New York were also threatened. This comes after Jordan failed to win the speaker's gavel for the third time in two days. The House has been left leaderless after conservatives pushed to remove Kevin McCarthy more than two weeks ago. The number of Americans killed in the conflict between Israel and Hamas is rising. State Department spokesman Matt Miller said 32 Americans have been confirmed dead and another 11 are unaccounted for. He said U.S. officials are working to try and secure the release of hostages held by Hamas. Thousands of Israelis and Palestinians have died and thousands more injured as the war escalates. The FBI continues to monitor threats in the U.S. and overseas as the Israel-Hamas conflict rages on. The FBI has seen an increase in threats against Jewish, Muslim, and Arab communities and institutions. They are looking into the credibility of any and all threats and working closely with state and local law enforcement agencies. They are also working with leaders of all faiths, including Jewish and Muslim leaders. The public should report any threats or other suspicious activity to law enforcement. New York City officials are pushing federal legislation that would prevent the Biden administration from housing migrants at national parks. Councilwoman Joanne Ariola says some national parks are closed to the public so they can house migrants, including Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn. Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis has proposed legislation that would prohibit federal funds from being used to house migrants on federal land, saying taxpayers preserve these parks for their own use. New York City is deploying several strategies to try to clear more than 60,000 migrants from its overburdened shelter system. The State Department is warning Americans abroad to exercise increased caution due to the increased tensions around the globe. 
The advisory issued Thursday cites the potential for terrorist attacks, demonstrations, or violent actions against U.S. citizens. This comes as the war between Israel and Palestine militant group Hamas is expected to escalate. The last time the department issued such a warning was in August 2022 following the strike in Afghanistan that killed a leader of al-Qaeda. Pfizer is upping the cost of its COVID-19 medication, Paxlovid, by more than double what it was. As the U.S. transitions out of the pandemic's emergency phase, the drug maker is changing the list price of the drug before insurance to nearly $1,400 for a five-day course, according to the Wall Street Journal. That's up from $530 per course, which was paid to the U.S. government to provide Paxlovid free to patients. Pfizer said it would offer assistance for copays for those who qualify. The Texas Attorney General sent a letter to Congress criticizing a controversial community near Houston that the GOP believes is a magnet attracting illegal immigration. But the head of the state trooper is shooting down claims that the cartels have taken over Colony Ridge. Colonel Stephen McCraw says they flooded Colony Ridge with troopers and didn't detect much criminal activity there at all. The sheriff of Liberty County told lawmakers at a hearing Thursday that they had not had a cartel arrest in the last three years. Fortress Safe is recalling over 60,000 gun safes after the shooting death of a 12-year-old boy. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission said in a statement that the biometric lock on the safes can be opened by unauthorized users, posing a serious injury, hazard, and risk of death. It said users may think that they set the lock function, but instead it defaults to open mode. The agency cites a lawsuit that says the boy died from a firearm that was retrieved from one of the safes. It also pointed to 39 incidents of users saying their safes were accessed by fingerprints not paired with it. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. Our first international story today is coming from Reuters. A blast at a Gaza hospital just before 7 p.m. local time on Tuesday, or 2 a.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, killed hundreds of Palestinians just before U.S. President Joe Biden visited Israel as the conflict between the Israeli military and the Hamas militant group raged. Israelis and Palestinians have blamed each other for the hospital bombing. Biden, who has stood squarely behind Israel from the start of the conflict, said that based on information he had seen, the hospital blast appeared to be the result of an errant rocket fired by a, quote, terrorist group, echoing Israel's view. Some Western countries have called for an investigation without pointing the finger at this stage, while Arab states have blamed Israel. Although it had a limited number of beds, the hospital and others in Gaza have been crammed with casualties beyond their capacity since the start of Israeli airstrikes launched in response to the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel. Footage and images obtained by Reuters from inside the hospital showed about two dozen destroyed vehicles in its grounds. They were surrounded by damaged buildings with windows blown out. Bloodstains were on the walls and the ground. Dr. Fadel Naim, head of orthopedic surgery, said about a thousand people were in Al-Ali Arab Hospital on Tuesday morning, and more rushed there later in the day after he said the Israeli army had warned residents in the neighborhood to evacuate their homes. Dr. Ibrahim Al-Nakah said more than 3,000 people had sought refuge at the hospital at the time of the strike. Our next international story comes from BBC and takes us to Russia. Russian-American journalist Alsa Kramasheva is being held after visiting her family in the Russian city of Kazan, and now faces charges, colleagues say. An editor for US-funded Radio Free Europe slash Radio Liberty in Prague, she was temporarily detained on the 2nd of June, and is the second US journalist held in Russia this year. She was arrested again on Wednesday and charged with failing to register as a foreign agent, which carries a jail term of up to five years. 
Kermasheva holds both U.S. and Russian citizenship, and works for RFERL's Tatar-Bashkir service. Tatar and Bashkir are closely related languages spoken by indigenous peoples in two central Russian regions. According to RFERL, Ms. Kermasheva, who lives in the Czech Republic, traveled to Kazan in late May for a family emergency. She was detained while waiting for her return flight, and her Russian and American passports were confiscated. Authorities charged her with failing to register as a foreign agent, and with collecting information on behalf of foreign governments, according to Tadar Inform, a local state news site. Ms. Kermasheva's work frequently focused on issues facing the ethnic minorities of central Russia. Independent Russian media organizations and press freedom watchdogs say repressive laws are routinely used by Russian authorities to harass journalists and style independent reporting. A number of journalists and Kremlin critics have been labeled foreign agents, including Nobel Peace Prize winner Dmitry Muratov. Our third and final international story also comes from BBC and takes us to Kenya, where President William Ruto has approved controversial legislation that will see the biggest shakeup of their health sector in more than 20 years. His plan revolves around promoting universal health care and requires all workers to contribute 2.75% of their salaries towards a new health fund. The government says it will make health care more affordable and accessible for poorer Kenyans, but it has proved unpopular with many who see it as a new tax. Some also fear that the new health care fund will be beset by corruption, like the existing one, meaning they are often unable to access the health services they are entitled to. But Parliament has backed Mr. Ruto, passing the Social Health Insurance Bill, along with three other health bills, on Tuesday. Currently, Kenyans pay between 150 Kenyan shillings, about one U.S. dollar, and 1,700 shillings, just over 11 U.S. dollars, monthly to a National Health Insurance Fund, NHIF. Kenya's health minister, Susan Nakumisha, has said that the new plan is better, as it will allow Kenyans of all walks of life to contribute according to their income. She said lower earners currently pay a higher percentage of their income than the better off. Employers, who are required to match their employees' contributions, have opposed the 2.75% deduction as too high. They say that it will hurt businesses and aggravate the cost of living crisis. Some health and civil society organizations have also spoken out against the health plan, saying the 2.75% deduction is substantial, considering the recent rise in fuel prices and living costs. Kenyans will be required to register to the proposed National Social Health Insurance Fund to access public health services and those who fail to enroll would be denied such services. The government will help Kenyans who cannot contribute towards the fund through a kitty of 26 billion shillings, which equates to roughly 173.5 million U.S. dollars. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your International News Report. I'm Sam Deschuches with your local news. Philadelphia police say two more arrests have been made in the killing of Officer Richard Mendez at Philadelphia International Airport last week, bringing an end to the search for suspects. The arrests come just two days after police took 18-year-old Yobrani Martinez-Fernandez into custody. Police believe Yobrani Martinez-Fernandez was among four suspects involved in the deadly shooting that also injured Officer Raul Ortiz and killed suspect Jesus Hernan Madeira Duran. The deadly shooting erupted in the parking garage when both officers witnessed a suspected vehicle break-in as they arrived for their shifts. It's believed that one of the officers attempted to apprehend a suspect when another suspect shot both officers from behind by one of the other suspects. On Wednesday, Philadelphia police identified two additional suspects that were arrested for what Mayor Kenny called a senseless act of violence. 
Alexander Batista Polanco, 21, from Camden, New Jersey, was arrested on Tuesday at 12.30 a.m. and was transported to the Philadelphia Homicide Unit after being taken into custody and is facing arrest warrants in both New Jersey and Scranton, Pennsylvania. Hendrick Pina Fernandez, 21, from Pensacola, New Jersey, was taken into custody Wednesday by New Jersey State Police after a search of his home was unsuccessful. He will also be extradited to the Philadelphia Homicide Unit. Murder and attempted murder warrants have been approved for all three suspects, according to the DA's office. On Thursday, Batista Polanco and Martinez Fernandez were charged with an extensive list of offenses, including murder, criminal conspiracy, aggravated assault, and tampering with evidence. Charges for Pina Fernandez have yet to be announced. A weapon has not yet been recovered, and police have yet to release which suspect may have fired the deadly shots. None of the officers are believed to have fired their weapons during the shooting. A court hearing in the case against New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez was set to be in Lower Manhattan on Wednesday, but has since been rescheduled. The acting senator is facing new federal charges weeks after he was accused of accepting bribes. This is the first time a sitting member of Congress has been charged with conspiring to act as a foreign agent. Menendez, until recently, was the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Federal prosecutors say he was part of a corrupt agreement between January 2018 and June 2022, where the senator received hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes for official access. The indictment says his wife and business associate were both involved. This was just weeks after he and his wife were accused of accepting bribes, things like cash, gold bars, and luxury cars from New Jersey businessmen. Menendez, his wife, and his business associate pleaded not guilty to these charges. The hearing has been rescheduled for October 23rd. There are growing calls for the senator to step down, but Menendez refuses to do so. Earlier this month, a tentative trial date was scheduled for May 6th, which would come just one month before New Jersey's June primary, meaning it could still be underway when voters start casting ballots on whether to return Menendez to the Senate. Temple University's Department of Public Safety announced a man wanted in connection to an indecent assault near campus is now in custody. The suspect, identified as 29-year-old Devin Barabin, is accused of touching a student in the area of the 1500 block of West Norris Street last week. Another possible harassment incident happened to a student in the area of the 1800 block of Norris Street, but it's unclear if Barabin is connected. According to police, Barabin was arrested by Philadelphia police along the 3800 block of North Broad Street on Tuesday. Barabin faces indecent exposure and indecent assault charges in connection to the incident, officials said. Police have not yet released any further details at this time. Investigators are looking into the cause of a school bus crash in New Jersey that left two students with minor injuries. Police said initial findings indicate the brakes of the bus were not working. Ring camera video shows the moment the school bus crashed into a home on Rawway Road in Edison Wednesday morning. Video shows about 36th, 7th, and 8th graders from John Adams Middle School walking off the bus. School officials said just two students had minor injuries. Police said the driver told them she couldn't stop the bus and that when she hit the brakes, the bus accelerated. The bus careened into the garage of the home after taking down several fences. The homeowner said three people were inside their house cleaning, but none of them were hurt. CBS New York has learned the school bus was taken out of service back in May because of an exterior body issue, but was approved to go back into service after inspections. The bus knocked down bricks from the home, sending debris all over the lawn. Police said several agencies will be investigating, including the Department of Transportation, to determine what happened. I'm Sam Deschuchis, and that was your local news. I'm Aiden Doherty with your Rowan News. Rowan University President Ali A. Hushman has been honored by Catholic Charities of South Jersey for his educational leadership and his unwavering commitment to serving the community. Hushman received the St. John Newman Award for Leadership during Catholic Charities of South Jersey's 19th Annual Dinner and Award Ceremony on October 11th in Atlantic City. Rowan's seventh president, Hushman, received the award from Bishop Dennis J. Sullivan and Executive Director Kevin Hickey, both of the Diocese of Camden, during a gala attended by more than 300 
170 people. Dr. Hushman and Bishop Sullivan are leaders who build and strengthen society, Hickey said. That's what leaders are supposed to be doing. They are supposed to be bringing us together, lifting up society, lifting our vision, so that we are always looking to advance the common good. Hushman, who grew up in poverty in Iran as one of 10 children, was honored for his efforts to make education in South Jersey and the state more accessible, his dedication to assisting immigrant students, and his passion for bringing nutritious food to others through his West Campus farm. The farm which Hushman works alongside with Rowan students gives tens of thousands of pounds of food to community groups annually, including to the shop, a food pantry and resource center that serves students. By nourishing others, we nourish our community, Hushman added. It is our absolute duty as human beings and citizens to raise each other up. I am humbled to stand among you and grateful for this recognition from Catholic Charities, an organization whose work I know well and deeply respect. Two Rowan University alumni were recognized this week for their excellence inside and outside the classroom when they received National Milken Educator Awards, which carry a 25000 unrestricted cash prize. Riley Garland, who graduated in 2016, who teaches at Cinnaminson High School, and Taylor Trost, who graduated in 2015, a teacher at Grace Norton Rangers Elementary School in Heightstown, were among just 75 teachers nationwide to receive the awards. Hailed as the Oscars of teaching, the awards honor educators who make a profound difference for students, colleagues, and communities. Garland and Trost both were presented with the awards at surprise assemblies at their respective schools. Taylor Trost said, I choose education because I just wanted to have fun every day and to touch the minds of all the little ones who will be big ones one day. There is no better profession to make an impact. I'm Aiden Doherty, and that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm Jack Miller for the Rowan Report with your news from the professional sports world. The Arizona Diamondbacks have evened the series up in the NLCS against the Philadelphia Phillies at two games apiece. Both teams had a bullpen outing in Game 4 as the Phillies' bullpen was pushed till its last breath, losing 6-5 in Arizona. All-star veteran relief pitcher Craig Kimbrell has now given up a walk-off in Game 3 to Cattell Marte and the game-tying home run to Alec Thomas to make it five runs each in the eighth in Game 4. Game 5 will be tonight at 8 Eastern with the Battle of the Zacks taking place as Wheeler and Gallon are the starting pitchers at Chase Field for a must-win game for both teams. Switching things to the American League, the Houston Astros are one win away from making their third straight World Series as Jose Altuve in the ninth came up clutch with a huge 3-1 wall-scraping home run to secure Game 5 of the ALCS against the Texas Rangers. Both teams have won all of the road games, and the series goes back to Houston as the Astros are up three games to two. Game 6 will be Sunday night at 8.07 Eastern. Your own university profs continue their season in Glassboro as they continue NJAC play later today against the Salisbury University Seagulls. Let's backtrack, though, to last week where Rowan tried to battle the rainy conditions as well as the Christopher Newport captains during their homecoming game. The captains started off the game in a huge way on the first play. Kick returner Trey Hayes took one to the house on a 95-yard runback to put six on the board in the first 13 seconds. The profs answered late in the first with a Connor Batten 30-yard field goal to make it 7-3. 
The first play of the second quarter, Christopher Newport running back Gunner White hit a huge hole and ran for a 49-yard touchdown, extending their lead 14-3. Nunez Bakula the fourth ran for 123 yards that day and scored a six-yard touchdown towards the end of the first half to make it 21-10. Bakula won NJAC Offensive Player of the Week for his performance. Not a lot of scoring happened in the second half as the rain got harder, but towards the end of the game, Kevin Degnan had another huge play scoring a 95-yard touchdown and they were able to convert the two-point conversion to make it 21-18. But the props could not recover the onside kick and the captains need the rest of the game away, giving Rowan their fourth loss on the year. Rowan will take on another NJAC opponent in the borough later today against the Salisbury Seagulls with kickoff at 1 p.m. Switching things from D3 football to the National Football League, the Philadelphia Eagles traveled up to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Jets, who they have beaten every time they've played each other. That changed this past Sunday. The Eagles scored all of their points in the first quarter with a Jalen Hurts rushing touchdown and a DeAndre Swift passing touchdown to get them 14 points. Jalen Hurts threw for a career-high three interceptions with two 280 passing yards and 47 rushing yards. The Jets' defense was able to hold the Philadelphia's firepower offense to only 14 points. The Jets were able to win on a clutch fourth quarter interception and Brees Hall reaching the end zone with a final score of 20 to 14. This is the first win against the Eagles in franchise history for the Jets, and the Eagles' undefeated season is done, and they are now five and one. With the Dolphins coming to the link, where the Birds will debut their Kelly Green jerseys. That game will be on Sunday Night Football, kicking off at 8:20. Again, I'm Jack Miller for the Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. with your Roan Report business update. Walmart and Aldi are lowering prices for Thanksgiving foods this year. Walmart's president and CEO said in a statement that it will remove inflation from a range of foods this year, saying the company is building on the investments we made last year, knowing they need it now more than ever. Aldi also said it's cutting prices down on more than 70 holiday food products. It said customers could see prices down as much as 50%. Both retailers' reductions will last to the end of the year. Sales of previously owned homes fell to their lowest level since 2010 in September. The National Association of Realtors says existing home sales dropped another 2% last month to an annual rate of fewer than 4 million units. The group's chief economist blamed the lack of inventory and high mortgage rates for hampering sales. Overall, existing home sales are down more than 15% from one year ago. The cost of employer health insurance rose this year at the fastest chip since 2011. Aaron Rayal reports. According to an annual survey from KFF, a healthcare research nonprofit, a 7% jump in the cost of family health care plans brings the average tab to nearly $24,000 for employers. Workers' average payment is roughly $6,500, nearly $500 more than last year. Inflation in the economy spiked in 2022. It hit health coverage this year because hospitals tend to renegotiate fees with insurers only every few years, so the increase to cover their own costs are only now affecting premiums. Employers and workers may see similar boosts in 2024. Aaron Rayal, NBC News Radio. A major fruit distributor to Walmart and Kroger has filed for bankruptcy. Prima Moana of California State's delivery and supply should not be affected. The fruit supplier provides plums, strawberries, peaches, and pears to several chains. The owner claims inflation and weather has had an impact on the decision. Prima Moana also supplies fruit to Wegmans and Whole Foods. The company has been in business for 60 years. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. I'm Elle Lawton, and this is your entertainment news. Netflix is raising prices. 
The company says its premium ad-free plan will jump by $3 a month to $22.99 starting this week. The basic plan will increase to $11.99 in the U.S., while other plans will stay at the same price. Netflix also reported third-quarter subscription numbers on Wednesday, showing a 9% increase in paid accounts year-over-year. Some of the growth is thanks to the company's crackdown on password sharing. Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon is expected to start fast at the box office. The film, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, is projected to make between $20 million and $30 million in its first weekend alone. It's adapted from the David Grand novel of the same name and follows the mysterious murders that happened after oil deposits were found on the Osage Nation's land in Oklahoma in the early 1920s. However, the film will most likely not make enough to land in first place as Taylor Swift's The Eras Tour concert film is expected to make between $30 million and $40 million in its second weekend. Britney Spears is sharing that she had an abortion after getting pregnant with Justin Timberlake. The news comes from an excerpt of the singer's upcoming memoir titled The Woman in Me. Spears said Timberlake wasn't happy about the pregnancy and said they were too young to have a baby in their lives. Her and Timberlake were together from 1999 to 2002. The Woman in Me will be released on October 24th. The greatest pop song in history is I Wanna Dance With Somebody by Whitney Houston. That's according to a group of staff writers at Billboard as the music publication celebrates its 65th year of its Hot 100 chart. The staff compiled its top 500 songs based on what best defines pop music. Chart performance and record sales were not factors so long as the song appeared in the Hot 100. Dancing Queen by ABBA is number two, and My Girl by The Temptations ranks third. While I Want It That Way by Backstreet Boys and Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson round out the top five. Other notable songs include The Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand at number 10 and Barry Manilow's Copacabana at 193 and Macarena at number 500. New Jersey's Monmouth University is announcing plans for a new multi-million dollar building to house the Bruce Springsteen archives. It's launching a campaign to raise $45 million to help build the 30,000 square foot facility. The Springsteen archives, which feature exhibition galleries and a 230-seat theater, are set to open in spring of 2026. The showrunner of the iconic comedy series The Office is addressing talks of a reboot. Greg Daniels said in an interview with the entertainment news site Collider that it's, quote, very speculative. He said it's cool when fans are interested in bringing back the workplace sitcom, but only said, quote, when there's something to announce, I will definitely announce it. Daniel said he had some conversations with NBC, but noted that if something does happen, it would be more of a spinoff than a reboot. I'm Al Lawton, and that was your entertainment news. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.